0: And we join him right now with today's message.
1: I want you to take your Bibles today and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4 if you're a guest. We've been preaching through this book uh, verse by verse. And I'm speaking today on the subject, Choose Wisely Grasshopper. Choose Wisely Grasshopper. Back in the 70s, there was a TV series called Kung Fu. The story was built around a Kung Fu artist by the name of Master Poe, which sounds like a rapper to me. Uh, master Poe was blind. He could not see. And he was mentoring a young boy, uh, David Carradine, who played the role of Cain. And he would always, the master artist, would always say to the young boy, he'd always say these words, choose wisely, grasshopper. And the reason what he was saying there was in the process of, Of the decisions you make. Make sure that you make the wise decision, the wise choice. The choices you make determine who you are. The choices you make or don't make determine your future in this life, and more importantly, your future in the next life. So choose wisely, grasshopper. Today, I want to look at four decisions that every single person in this room needs to make you have to choose between living a sinful life or a holy life when you get out of bed in the morning before your feet hit the floor you have to choose who are you going to live for today yourself or for god i want you to look at first peter chapter 4 therefore since christ suffered in his body Peter writes you need to arm yourselves also with the same attitude. What does that mean? That means that as Christ was willing to suffer because he willingly laid down his life, he willingly suffered so that you and I could have everlasting life. And in the same way that he was willing to suffer, what Peter is saying to the Christians who are suffering, it's okay you too should be willing to suffer if need be for the sake of christ you should arm yourselves with the same attitude because he has suffered in his body is done with sin he died for sin he died for my sin he died for your sin verse 2 as a result speaking about the lord he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires but he rather lives for the will of god Remember, Jesus said, not my will, but thine will be done. Jesus did not, even though he was tempted in every way, he never yielded to sin when he was here on this earth. You see, I think the big issue, the big decision, is are you willing to suffer for Christ? Are you willing to lay down your life, if need be, for the sake of the gospel? If you're willing to suffer for Christ, You should be able to overcome any sin that you're wrestling with because we all wrestle with sin all the time. You got your mind on the wrong thing. You're worried about the sin. You need to be worried. Are you willing to sacrifice everything on behalf of Christ? If you are, you should be able to conquer any sin. You don't even need to live the rest of your life for earthly desires because you've made the greater choice. Now look at verse three. For you have already spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do and he tells you what pagans do they live in debauchery lust drunkenness orgies carousing and detestable idolatry what he's saying here is this when you became a christian you left your pagan ways in fact he says you've already spent enough time doing all the things the pagans do didn't you now that you're saved, now that you're a Christian, you no longer live the same way that the pagans live. They made choices to live like that. Once you become a Christian, you no longer live like the pagans do, right? And then we come to verse 4. He says, uh, they, the pagans, they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation. And so they heap abuse or ridicule on you. The point is this, if you decide that you're going to live a pure life, if you decide you're going to live a Christ-like life, and you're no longer going to do what the pagans do, those pagans are going to think you're the strangest people that they've ever met. And they're going to ridicule you. They're going to throw abuse on you because you're not going along with them. They're going to make fun of you. Look at verse 4 again. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they will heap ridicule abuse on you. And when that happens, and what Peter's telling us, is don't be surprised when the world mocks you. It's normal for anyone in this culture who decides that you're going to live a pure, holy life they're going to make fun of you the fact is some of us we go right along with the world because we're afraid of the ridicule some of you when you do wrong you know you shouldn't be doing some of those things but you do them anyway because you're not willing to take the ridicule and the abuse that they will throw upon you i say to you grow up stop being a spiritual baby Jesus died. He died for you. He died for me. We should be willing to die to sin. Uh, Well, people are going to make fun of me. Who cares? Well, they're going to write me off as a friend. Well, find some other friends. Well, they don't like it that I don't go party with them anymore. Tough taco, I always say to them. The thing that you have to always remember is this if they persecuted jesus they're going to persecute you this all goes back to this issue are you going to live a sinful life or are you going to live a holy life you and i ought to be running away from sin running away from immorality just as you would run away from something that is scary we should run away from sin and we should run to jesus who is our best friend, and you ought to do that every single day of your life. Don't be scared of a little ridicule. And what you ought to be afraid of is the judgment of God, which is my second question. Write this down. You have to to ask yourself, is Jesus' return imminent Or does that just seem like an impossibility to you? Do you live your life in such a way that if Jesus Christ came back today, you would be ready and anxious and excited to see him? Or do you live your life in such a way that you don't even think that's a possibility and so you just engage in all kinds of sins because you don't really think Jesus Christ is ever going to actually return? Look again at verse 4 in our text. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they will heap ridicule abuse on you. But they, the pagans, will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the what? The dead. And skip down to verse 7. Look at verse 7, the first seven words. Peter says, The end of all things is what? is near. One day Jesus is coming back. It could be today. He says to the writers, are you ready? Do you believe that this could be the day? Some people laugh at that. Some people think that he's never coming back. If you read second Peter, it actually says that there are people who scoff. He uses the word scoff. (laughs) You got to be kidding me jesus coming back (laughs) that's the funniest thing i've ever heard second peter says people scoff at the second coming of jesus christ james 4 4 says this now this is kind of these are tough words but i want you to see what james says he says you adulterous people don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards god anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of god Now, you don't need a Bible college degree to understand this verse. You just have to read it. Look at the second half one more time. Anyone who chooses, say chooses, it's a choice. Anyone who chooses to become a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And one day, one day, the Lord is going to judge the living and the dead. That means all the people that have died. They too will face the judgment. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, just as man is destined to die, we're all destined to die, and after that, we will all face the judgment. And what Peter is saying here is far better for you to stand up for Christ, don't go along with the pagans, it's far better to remain and to live a holy life, to suffer suffer some pushback, than it is to live an evil life And one day stand before God and be judged by a holy God. And I want to make this clear. I'm going to stand before God one day. And I'll have to give an account for every word I've ever said and every deed that I have ever done. Every single person in this room, we're all going to stand before God. And and the Lord has a list of everything I've ever said wrong and everything I've ever done wrong. He's got a list. But... When that moment comes for me, Jesus is going to step in front of me and say, Father, when Dudley was eight years of age, he gave his life to me and he has served me all his life. And when I died on the cross, I died for all of his sins and he put his faith and trust to me. And so there is no judgment upon Dudley because he belongs to me. so I ask you again, are you ready? If Jesus Christ came back today, are you ready to stand before God? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen. The third question is this. Are you going to serve in the church or are you going to go it alone? Are you going to serve in the church or are you just going it alone? This letter, 1 Peter, is written to Christians. We, the church everybody say the church we are according to the bible we are the bride of christ the moment you got saved god put you in the church and we are his bride now he's gone he's been gone for two thousand years but he's going to return one day and it's near and when he comes back he's going to gather up the church those of us that are saved he's going to take all of us and he's going to take us back into heaven and right now for the last two thousand years he's been preparing our heavenly home and one day when the lord returns he's going to take the church and he's going to take us and we're going to go and live with him forever now until he comes back every single person has a role you have a job you have a purpose and as you As you read through this in context, the context is, even if you're hurting, even if you're suffering, even if you feel like you're being persecuted, God says, I still got a job for you. You can't just go hide. I need you. I need you in the church. Let's read through this. Look at verse eight, above all. Now he said a lot of stuff, but now he says above all that stuff. Love, everybody say love, love Love each other. Oh, I love this next word deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. What does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things. It means that if you've done wrong against me, my love for you overlooks. That wrongness that you did to me, that's what this whole thing is about. Don't don't return insult with insult, but insult with blessing. The only way you do that is if you love somebody. Somebody does wrong, you love them anyway. Your love can can forgive when most of the world could never forgive, right? And uh, love covers a multitude of sins. To me, that means that when someone does wrong and they repent of that, that, that you don't gossip about it because a lot of times someone comes and they're sorry and they repent, and then we go off and we gossip about it. But God's already forgiven them, them for it, but we keep it alive with our gossip. Love covers a multitude of sin. And then he says in verse 9 offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I think of all the life group hosts. You ever hold a life group at your house? Oh, no, I got to clean the house again. They're coming over. We just did this last week. I got to do it again offer a hospitality without grumbling verse 10 each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering god's grace in its various forms verse 11 if anyone speaks he should do it as one speaking the very words of god and if anyone serves he should do it with the strength that god provides So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever and ever. Amen. Every single person here has a job. You have a task. And God expects you to use that and serve in His church, His bride. Church is about God pulling people together and every single person has a gift. They have a skill. They have a talent. And you use that gift to serve the body of Christ. That's how the church is built up and matures. That's how we reach people. That's how we grow. That's how we that's 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 called church life, community. It's very important. And what happens in context. Everybody say context. We these people back in the day of Peter, they were being persecuted. They're being harassed. They got their feelings hurt. And they were they were doing what happens here a lot of times. We finally get a volunteer, we finally train them, we finally get them in their place, and they get their feelings hurt and they quit. And we got to spend all our man hours trying to find someone else to fill in for that job. Imagine how big this church would be if no one had ever got their feelings hurt and had quit. Well, you'd be sitting on top of each other right now. But in context, in context these are people who are suffering And Peter says, I don't care how bad you're hurting. I don't care how bad you're suffering. I don't care how many people are ridiculing you, how many people are making fun of you. I still need you in the church, loving one another deeply, offering hospitality to one another without grumbling, speaking the very words that God would speak, and serving with the strength that God gives you. There's still a church. We still need you. He's saying, I don't care how bad you're hurting. We need you working in the church. That's what he's saying there. And as we close, we come to the most important part. Write this down. Are you ashamed or unashamed? Are you ashamed or unashamed of being a Christian? I want to read to you what I think is the most important verse, perhaps, in all of 1 Peter. He says in verse 16, however, now watch this, if you suffer... If you suffer as a Christian, do not be what? Ashamed. But praise God that you bear that what? That name. Christian, Christ I-A-N, if you call yourself a Christian, you bear his name. His name is more important than your name. My name is Dud (laughs) Lee. Right? But I'm a Christian. I wear Christ's name. And what he's saying here is when you live in this pagan world and you decide to live a pure life and stop living like the pagans live, And you live like Christ, you wear his name. You will be ridiculed. You're going to be made fun of. You might even be persecuted. You might have to lay down your life and die. But he says, don't ever be afraid. Don't ever be ashamed to tell people that you wear his name. Who wrote this? Why, do you remember his story? The guy that's writing this? If you go back earlier in his life, he was in the upper room with Jesus, and Jesus said, this very night, all of you will fall away. And Peter stood up and said, never, Lord, we will never betray you. In fact, Peter said these words, Lord, I'm willing to die for you if need be. And the Lord turns to Peter, and he said these words, Peter, before this night is over, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Jesus was arrested. And if you go out to the courtyard, Peter's there warming his hands at the fire. He's scared to death because Jesus has been arrested. And he thinks that maybe he's next. And someone comes up to Peter and says, I recognize that accent of yours. You're, you're one of those Galileans. You used to hang out with Jesus. And the Bible says that Peter goes, no, I'm not, I'm not one of the disciples. The Bible says there's a little teenage girl, a little girl that comes up and says, I recognize you. You, are, you're, you're, you follow Jesus. And the Bible says that Peter cursed. He swore. And he says to the little girl, I don't even know who you're talking about. You don't know who you're talking about. You just spent the last three years of your life, every single waking moment of every day with this man. Now you're saying you don't even know who he is. And the third time that he denies the Lord, the rooster crows. Imagine the guilt that Peter felt all of those years when he was ashamed to stand up for Jesus Christ. Because he thought he himself might have to suffer. And all these years later, he writes to you as a church and he's saying, Hey, don't make the mistake that I did. I I was ashamed and I've regretted it all of my life. I was embarrassed. I've been ashamed that I refused to stand at the most critical hour. I denied that I even knew the Lord. I mean, if anybody could write and say, hey, if you're going to serve Christ, you're going to suffer. And there's going to come that moment in time where you're going to have to stand up and say, yes, I am a Christian. And Peter says, don't ever be ashamed that you wear His name what you ought to be ashamed of is the sins that we're involved with you want to be ashamed of something be ashamed of the sin that weighs us down the sin that entangles us the sin that blinds us the sin that hardens our hearts the sin that embarrasses God, the sin that embarrasses our family. Be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Be proud of the fact that you wear His name. Run from sin. Stop choosing to do what the pagans do and live a life of purity. Live a life for Jesus Christ. And in due season, He will lift you up and you will live forever with Him.
0: Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.